Hi, if you're just finding this podcast, my name is Dylan Shab, and I've been pretty much super excited by the coming metaverse for the last decade. Today, I am joined by, I would say, a good friend, um, Tim, who's better known as Uplando uh, in the metaverse platform Upland. Hi, Uplando. Hello. Thanks for having me. How are you? Awesome. Awesome. Time zones are a funny thing, right? I mean, you're in PST. Uh, I'm actually CST. I'm Central Standard Time Zone. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, so I always like to start with a bit of a background. Um, what What did you do with your corporeal self until I met you in the metaverse? Um, uh, it's all been information technology, uh, a lot on the hardware side. So co-location managed uh, services, uh, the care and feeding of physical hardware servers, basically. Okay. Cool. And um, I believe you at some point owned a comic book store or a gaming store? Yeah, it was a comic book toy store slash gaming store, uh, mid-90s, all up until uh, even Silent Partnership into the 2000s. Uh, yeah, right around when Image Comics became a big thing uh, with Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld. Uh, a lot of excitement, Magic the Gathering also dropping in that period, which in my opinion is the, is the original... Uh, kind of, it's the NFT. It's what NFTs became. I mean, that's a collectible trading card game that had art, it had text on the card, and it had a utility, right? So you could collect, not only collect these, but play these. So to me, Magic the Gathering, first NFTs. Yeah, no, let's pause it for a moment because I think there is a interesting statistic of how many of the important uh, crypto people like Vitalik Buterin and others uh, claim to have had this kind of geek moment in Magic the Gathering. Uh, because as I say, I think you've put it so well. Uh, the, the cards were NFTs, they were collectibles, they had some utility. Um, and it's, it's not a simple game, right? I mean, there was a tremendous amount of strategy involved and building. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. And even before that, you could argue that just regular playing cards, uh, they did have a functioning utility, uh, 52 cards in the deck, but it wasn't as collectible. Also, uh, Uno could also be considered to be of that type because you have cards that you have a utility. But Magic the Gathering is the first time that you had original artwork from artists that contributed to that first initial core set. And it just became incredibly popular. And um, even to this very day, right? They still con continue to put out sets, pro tours, people make a living by playing this game. And now they have moved it online. Um, there is some of the creators of Magic the Gathering, Gods Unchained. I don't know if you're familiar with that crypto project, cool. but that's gamification in the form of Magic the Gathering put into that format. Right. And I know that a, you know, Splinterlands has become very popular, for example, another one of those games, uh, which again has a lot of these OG Magic the Gathering players going, hey, that looks familiar. Uh, I know how to make that work. Um, and um, yeah, you know, it's a lot of the people I, you know, I, I started playing Magic the Gathering when I think I was 11 or 12. I was a Magic the Gathering judge. And, um, you know, back then I kind of was like in 1994, so a Black Lotus was already a thing, but it was still affordable. And if you look at, you know, the capital gains of just having held a Black Lotus, um, it's outperformed most traditional markets uh, by, a, by a lot. Um, 
you know, and then and then you had people starting to branch into, you know, the game the NFTs, you know, maybe our equivalent of super rare, the one of ones, right? There were a lot of artists who sold, um, you know, the, uh, there were a lot of kind of early rare Black Lotus kind of card artwork or fireballs and stuff. And they bought these one of one artists prints basically, or one of five, and they're also worth an absolute fortune. Yeah, and it goes again. Uh, I was, when the Chicago Comic-Con was still uh, an annual event and going to the Chicago Comic-Con and meeting some of the artists uh, for Magic the Gathering and seeing the ice manipulator there, uh, seeing some of these other cards that the original prints were right in front of me and uh, just not coming to an agreement on those. But again, those original pieces the Power Nine pieces, which all the Moxes, uh, the Lotus, those are those had been at one time for sale. I think two point one million for each one of those original pieces of art. So, you know, you have this marriage of the tangible and the digital. Still, it's it's still a thing. I I still love that there is. It hasn't gone one way or back to the other. You still can have tangible items that are part of this collection or part of the non fungible token space. I still like. I like that. Yeah. One, um, you know, as we move more into crypto discussions, one thing that I think Magic the Gathering really got right, uh, which some other card games like Yu-Gi-Oh! did not, is that Magic the Gathering had a very high top 1% esports aspect, and yet there were tournaments all along the way based in your player performance, and you could, you could earn, right? In other words, you would have your local club, which was basically your comic club kind of event, and they gave you something for showing up just for being a regular. And you could win kind of, you know, be the top four and get a prize with your own pool of 20 players. Then if you were good enough, you became kind of your local club's champion going on to the, the town event. And then if you were even better than that, you went to the national event and then the teams and then Grand Prix and, and stuff like that. And that is something that, not a lot of other groups have recreated so well. And as, you know, games started creating esports leagues, they often messed up on that, right? You've got the kind of subscription model where everyone can join and play for free or based or their $10 subscription, uh, but they don't stand a chance in hell of ever really winning something um, because they're never going to be that top 1,000 people. And as I start to see games come out uh, on the blockchain, um, I always poke back if I get to speak to founders and creators about what are you going to do about that average majority, right? Are they going to have a way to have some su success or play within a, a pool of other players of their own level and stuff, right? Because we want to reward whales. Whales are investors. We want to reward excellent in the forms of top players. But the daily grinders, the people who love your project and have passion in your project, these are your bread and butter of the community. These are the guys that show up every day. These are your brand ambassadors. And if we don't kind of remember them and structure our games to reward them as well, can't have longevity. It's a good point that you that you bring up. And one of the things, and, and as you were talking about these uh to become qualified as a judge and actually to run tournaments. And like you said, locally, that was a thing. And, and they used to give you uh, Friday Night Magic and, and they would actually give you cards as a, as a judge that you would hand out to those who went into the event. Thus, again, rewarding the player that or the enthusiast 
one of the things that I, I really, it's to really kind of put the emphasis upon it when you're, and again, I, I love Xbox and I love those platforms, uh, PlayStation, but when you really think about it, even when you're clearing levels, if you're on missions and you do these side missions, you are what you presume to be rewarded, right? You, you could get a, a drop of a weapon or some kind of uh, a shield or something of that nature. But really what you're doing is rewarding the developer because you're just unlocking something that somebody developed. You're not actually, unless you could put it on sale for the secondary market as an asset, you're rewarding them, not yourself. So you've paid for the game, you're playing the game, you're, you know, you're going down the path of the levels that a developer's created, and maybe to see the metrics when that developer sees some, some players clearing their level. Uh, I'm sure there's an inside a part of that where they all look to see what side missions are done instead of just going down the core missions. But in, in the space that we're in now with NFTs and the gamification of these digital assets, you get to stake for rewards, just like you would other cryptos, cryptocurrency tokens that you have acquired enough that you can stake and earn rewards and returns and have liquidity pools. It really makes all of this feel a little bit more worth doing it and interactive and rewardable. So I like, I like where we're going with this. Yeah, I do too. And, um, you know, we, we, we're such a young market that most of the people that have arrived uh, into the NFT space are were investors in crypto and things. And so they're coming with an investor mindset. Um, but over time, a percentage of those people also gonna become nostalgic collectors, right? I, I was amazed, I was predominantly a land collector. And I was amazed over the years, how many early edition lands, which were not important lands, but would have an, an appreciation in price because it was a missing card for someone's collection, right? I remember there were people who went apeshit for dragons, right? They would have folders and folders of dragons. And it didn't matter if it was a useless dragon, they collected dragons, right? And, um, you know, we're going to get into Upland and stuff now, but I, I you know, and you've got a beautiful mural behind you of the, of the Uplando store. I, I think, you know, people who come to Metaverse platforms two years from now, there is going to be, you know, a poop emoji block explorer that they, that they really relate to, that they find humorous, and they're going to pay a premium on that uh, to have the privilege of the equivalent of a skin uh, to say, you know, I, this is how I identify. This is my self-expression. Yeah. And what you're referring to is, uh, again, this is your avatar, right? It's your, your, your digital, you know, imposed self in the game. Uh, I think there's some... And even talking about this, uh, Octavius, the nuances of forgoing your in real life name, creating a persona, uh, having a pseudonym, and then going into this, you know, into a Discord or Telegram or an in-game communication system, which Upland doesn't have yet, but they're, but they're moving, they're making some good progress. Um, and then continuing in your strategy to, to kind of carve out a space for you in these metaverses. And I think that, in terms of the Block Explorer, yes, the, I have the Block Explorer store uh, in Fresno, in California, in the game of Upland. And we have seen, which was surprising, 
you do have an opportunity once you become a director in the game. It's a status up level that you have, and you can submit for a, a one of one uh, unique block explorer. Players are now selling those assets in the stores, and they're doing quite well. One of the things that we had learned from Idan about what's going to come in 2022 is meta motors or a means of another means of transportation, some some gamification which would be drag racing, off-road racing, track racing. But one of the things that we learned that was uh, very unique and interesting was your or the block explorers will be driving these meta motors and you will get licensed, so to speak. You will, you will start to gain stats on these. So again, utility to something that most people or some people find, well, it's just a block explorer. It's just a building. It doesn't really have utility. You've got to have that future site and try and play it out to see because this is just a new emerging market. We just have 10 players that are in a closed beta that are working out all of the bugs and the, and the, the mechanics of this so that later players that want a stream of revenue that can apply for a MetaVentures, what it would otherwise be a, a MetaVentures dues to have a stream of revenue in the game of Upland, will be using the utilities that we're helping create right now. And to your point, you never know what kind of digital assets going to have utility in the future that could you sell it today at $10, it could be $10,000, you know, in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're framing it right. I think, you know, when you talk about collectibles, especially when the expectation with NFTs now is utility, right? We're more and more looking at NFTs as not just art, but as access tokens and membership tokens and um, drop, drop doorways. Um, obviously, utility will appeal to many more people than collectability will. But I... I guess all I'm saying is we mustn't completely discredit the collectible side as well, because the more and more time goes on, the more and more nostalgia gets attached to certain things, and the more and more people will pay a premium uh, to have things that are no longer available except through the free market, right? I, the best example I can think of is actually Axie Infinity. Axie Infinity now has 2.8 million active players, and the first they're, you know, the first original eggs created something called the origin axes. And of that, a quarter of them could be mystic axes. And those mystic axes, some of them have been selling close to a million dollars, despite having almost no specialized utility at all. But they, they such a status symbol, right? For example, um, there's a fantastic YouTube channel called OnChain Gaming. And um, Jake uses the white rabbit, his axie, as his whole branding mechanism, right? Or oh, I've got people, I, I know people who have bored ape, apes and, and they literally don't even care about a name anymore. They just go by bored ape number 2111, right? And <laughs> it's such an anti-flex and yet it's such a flex and it's such a cultural gen thing that um, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes open as a collector because I've always been an obsessive collector, right? I, you know, <laughs> I, it was always an obvious thing to me, duh, that everyone needs lands in a game like Magic. But I really, really did enjoy uh, kind of perving my profile of all of these lands and feeling like I've got a whole collection. And, and sometimes when I would finish a collection, then I would sell it because now I've, I've done that, I've achieved that goal, I can kind of uh, move on. Okay, so before we go deeply into Upland, um, where was your red pill moment? How did you get into crypto and how did you get into Upland and Metaverse platforms? So it, it all leads back to the collectibles in the comic book store, Magic the Gathering, Mount Gox, Magic the Gathering Online Exchange, 
uh, now has become pretty much infamous for quote unquote being hacked into and draining all of the assets from that exchange. But that was or had become a, sort of a specialized eBay for Magic the Gathering cards and one in which you could trade uh, cards for or sell them in a marketplace for crypto. And that became sort of the uh, preferred means of, of doing business on that platform. And so dabbling around in it and thinking to myself, I have this dual land, a beta dual land that I'm going to let go for this, for cryptocurrency Bitcoin. I, I feel like I'm making a big mistake here because of, you know, oh no, I, I have this $400 card and they're going to pay me in, in a cryptocurrency. So that turned out to be in my favor. Uh, that was my first pretty much introduction to it. And then having reached out and on a, a portal called Meetup and, and finding enthusiasts that were in my city, meeting those like-minded people and sitting and talking with them and discussing this entire, what would become all of the cryptocurrency space, the exchanges, the NFTs. And that turned into me running and becoming the president of Kansas City Bitcoin Cryptocurrency, which is a group here in Kansas City, Missouri, that helps. We educate individuals on how to make the most of and understand what this all means. What is crypto? What is an NFT? And really in, in the hopes and, and which has become them paying it forward so that you give people as you move forward in this, the right information. It's, uh, it's not some of the unfortunate circumstances of a BitConnect or Ponzi schemes of that nature. We really try to promote a good, a good project and a good posturing for where, where you want to be in this space. Um, my first NFT experience was with CryptoKitties. Um, it was something that I had learned about and I, I thought it was very interesting. You adorn these cats and you, you get a couple of kitties and you create more kitties and they have generations, first gen, second gen, third gen, and talk about some of the pricing for, for what you have as utilities. And that segues into uh, Kitty Island in, in, uh, or Angel Island in Upland. But that wasn't my speed. And uh, I had found Upland. I had bookmarked it and I'd seen it that it was going to actually launch. And I thought, I'll get back to that in time. Oh, I got a year later until I came back to it and finally got back into it. But you find Upland when you find Upland, you get in when you get in. And that's really outside of some other uh, projects and things of that nature. That's really where I had gotten into all this. Wonderful. So let, let's, let's for, for my listeners who are not from Upland, let's make a distinction over here. So I, I always like to differentiate between um, what I would call play to earn games, which have a classic gamification model, something that you can do and achieve, and a metaverse platform, uh, which is more of a social experiment, which may have many games and activities, but the core thing is you, you create your own adventure and build your own communities. And I think, um, you know, nothing is as simple as black and white as that. I think the sandbox, I think Decentraland are all adding mini games. And I think the same goes for Upland. But I think we can strongly put Upland, Decentraland, sandbox all into the metaverse platform grouping. Um, how would you describe Upland to someone just seeing it for the first time? It, it, 
in a traditional sense, and I can't believe we're saying that because we are three years into this, it is a buy, sell, trade real estate game, and it is the metaverse is mapped to the real world. And that, in, in a, as just the broad brushstrokes, is what it is. But ultimately, it also has the component of community, and the players are evolving the platform just as much as the actual creators. So it is, it is a type of Dungeons and Dragons, like where you would get together and you're, you have a base set of information, you have guides and rule books, and you have a way to create this persona in the game, or in this case, you know, with Upland, but Dungeons and Dragons, but you also get to be creative in it. You, you can color outside the box and you can walk up to the line and, and do that which you can. And I mean, the terms of services and things of that nature. And you get to not only be competitive, but it is very social in that you have these different types. I mean, it's the entire world, all of these personas and people from, like I say, around the world that come together and you're evolving this, you're, you're trying to create the best game experience that you can while it being real money. <laughs> so there's an investment component here. So there's some risk involved. Uh, so that's right, not the know, short poker, answer, but that's... Yeah. Poker isn't fun without money for most people. That's, I mean, <laughs> let's just, you know, you know and, and, and you know, I, for a person who spent my life in finance, I'm not that interested about money. And yet money is a fantastic scorecard. And, um, you know, up, up, I've made north of a quarter million dollars via Upland. A lot of it's still held in assets. And uh, that has had a very big impact on my life. Um, but I think for me, you know, I, I was so focused on creating services uh, that the dollar, you know, the zeros were just piling up and then it only just occurred to me, oh, <laughs> look what I've done. Um, what, before I, I bring some critical thoughts on, on Upland, I would like to first, you know, say what they've got right, right? What they've got really right is um, mapping, mapping a metaverse to the world and making it focused on real estate uh, is, you know, simple genius done right, right? Because we all already have attachments to land. Um, real estate is something that investors feel comfortable with, right? You know, it's, it's something that we've got decades or centuries of experience with even. And um, automatically, you're going to create a certain amount of value and nostalgia by creating a connection to land. Like, you know, I, I remember when I arrived in Upland, people were like, oh, San Francisco is going to be so important. It's the OG stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm buying Manhattan. And they're like, no, San Francisco. I said, now, look, I'm a free market person. Okay. I don't, the fact that it is the OG city is important, but the free market decides. And as far as I'm concerned, for anyone who's not deeply from San Francisco American, Manhattan has a global charge that is, you know, unsurmountable, right? I mean, you know, the Big Apple is a symbol of success, um, Wall Street, Broadway and stuff like that. And so I was overall more excited by Manhattan just as a free market thing. And yet over time, both of them have done well. Uh, but, you know, that, again, as you said, that's the beauty of the players deciding where value is and where does a community surround itself around. So I think Upland definitely got that right. They took a, um, the monopoly concept, 
they pitched it on, you know, to real land and, uh, and they made a real estate game, which so many people could relate to. Um, and further on that point, I think where Upland Estate so relevant is whereby, uh, you know, only 5% of the world apparently know what an NFT is and far, far less have actually used an NFT or own an NFT. Uh, so much so that, you know, when I see NFT projects drop, I don't even care if a celebrity is, you know, pitching it because I know that the 100,000 followers on Twitter are not buying it, right? It's just because they, Justin Bieber's bought a, bought Ape as a flex doesn't mean, you know, the conversion rate is there even for, you know, even 10 of his followers. So that doesn't help. And yet Upland is something that, has succeeded now for a couple of years of onboarding normal investors, stock investors, real estate investors, um, who, who say, you know, um, I get this. And, and, and just on that point, you know, we just had a milestone this week of Abdallah, um, Salam Alaikum Habibi, who, who, who reached the first status of a billion dollars, a billion apex in the game. And I had a conversation with Abdullah recently. We were talking about crypto and he had always told me he was from Saudi Arabia. And uh, he said, I don't own any crypto because we were talking about some other projects. And I said, Abdullah, finally you've proved to me that you're for sure from Saudi Arabia and not from the Emirates because no Emirati would admit to not owning crypto. And so Upland has managed to reach a, a market that is completely separate from the other metaverse platforms. Decentraland and Sandbox cannot claim that. They do not have an onboarding ramp that Upland has. So I think that, you know, to me, those are the things that Upland really got right. Would you add anything to that? Yeah, and uh, there's so many things there that I, uh, I'm pinning up to, to remind myself that I want to talk about. One of the things that you had said earlier um, about like the board apes and those types of NFTs that they don't have any restriction as to what you can utilize them for. So if you wanted to open up a club and you wanted to use a board ape that you have, you can certainly do that there. There's no, as far as I understand, there's no regulations on what you can use to promote a product. If you wanted to open uh, or start a line of hemp or cannabis products, you could potentially use a board ape for that. If you wanted to use a eatery, could use your board ape for that. And that's very interesting. It, it, it's, it is really in that true ownership spirit of the NFT and allowing you to take that, which in, in, many, in many legacy platforms, I'm going to say it, uh, like an Andy Warhol, right? The Warhol uh, Commission would have something to say about that. If you wanted to take your Warhol, which you own, and it's supposedly your ownership, yet you can't use it to do certain things with board apes, that's a stroke of genius just to say, whatever your pleasure, whatever you like to do with that, as far as I know and understand their yes, terms yes, of services. That's exactly use. correct with the IP rights. That's been, they, you know, because crypto punks did not give you full IP rights and have been suing people all over the place. But Bored Apes, we already had Adidas has signed a model, essentially an ape model, wearing the Adidas tracksuit and did an <laughs> entire drop based on that marketing. There is a music group with two Bored Apes and, uh, and two mutant apes, I believe. Uh, and they've signed with a big record company. There's Jenkins the Butler, who's now got his own series and writing and stuff like that. So it, it, it truly is wonderful. <laughs> I mean, that is true ownership to be able to use that and do that in that perspective or from that perspective. I, I do also 
there are other projects and uh, I think you'll see as this evolves um, and, and some of those that kind of go to the other side of the spectrum of that where it's you're owning a hash, basically you're owning a line of code and then it points to an image that's stored on a server somewhere. Um, there are projects that are, that are coming up that, that are looking to really stay within um, maybe paying a, a nod to the origins of their artwork. Um, I, I think that the Board Ape uh, Yacht Club and some of these other, you, you've seen so many imitators come out and, and almost over cartoonize or, or animate these. Um, now it's, you know, it, it could be a parrot. It could be anything. It's the crypto whales. And not to say that I have one, you know, uh, like over one or the other or a judgment over one or the other, but I do... And these are generative, right? So these aren't, these are assets or attributes that you have that are the glasses or the, or the, or the hat or the cigar or the pipe or whatever it might be. And that's fun, right? It, it gives you some different rareable parts of this. Um, there's a project coming up that's uh, the, 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 the token name is Archaeus and they have a keystone uh, NFT that's coming out. Of course, keystone animals in the environment is, is a required or an ankle, or I'm sorry, an anchor animal that would otherwise need to be there for the entire process of the other parts of the ecosystem. I like that. And I like that it's a fine art project. It is handwritten and hand-drawn and the different levels of the rarity have to do with color and design and things of that nature. There are some stipulations with that, that you couldn't take that and run with it and, and do that. But in honor of what they're doing there, which has some things about truth and and really presenting this really forward-facing factual part of what has become a very, a very gray area in which that today that we live in is very interesting to me. And I, I love fine art. I love artists. Um, so, you know, say what you will, Jackson Pollock, Jean-Michel Basquiat, um, all these different arts that I love so much. And is this the new? I mean, is, are these the new artists? Are these the new uh, Warhols? I mean, it, it's going to take some time to see uh, that point that I wanted to make to you. And then moving forward on this, what did Upland get right? Um, you know, you nailed it. They, they took something that everybody knows. It's familiar, right? Everybody um, would like to have had that little chunk of land if they could have. They see the capital gains that come from real estate and it's, again, something that is polarized. It is in the culture of most every place on the face of the planet. But it's one of those things where, like you said, New York, Los Angeles, some of these cities have become synonymous. Chicago, they all have a story to tell and people do want a little piece of it. That they got right, you know, very much so. Yeah, and, 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 and the Sanctum said, actually, you know, when there was one of the landmark sales and he was interviewed, he said, look, most of us are never in our lifetime going to have an opportunity to buy one of these landmarks in actual reality. And yet I get a one of one in this metaverse where I do get to have that landmark. And yeah. I, I, I found that very significant. I do, too. I'm, I'm impressed, too. I, I have had correspondence uh, when I'm in the Upland Cafe, uh, the Uplando show there, which is daily news and information. And I, I try to reach out to these landmark uh, owners that have went in and raced their block explorer, 
Latest was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We had a player from Germany that picked that up, was a music fan, was nice to see that. I have had correspondence with Abdullah only in chat to get a couple quotes. So um, it would be great to see them. Did you say that you actually had a uh, on video conversation or was this no, just we, a... we mostly type? We mostly type. Okay. Um, Abdullah is really, really busy. I, I know that people try to reach him, but he really, really, truly is very busy. Um, and uh, but, you know, this is this is both an investment to him and a passion project. You know what? And uh, if he's watching or he or she, we don't know, could be either. I really appreciate the the communication. And it's it's fun to be able to quote some of these players that are otherwise, again, from 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 a layman's point of view or somebody who doesn't have whale or crypto assets to go into this, a tip of the hat to and corresponding that and, and always wanting to quote them warmly and accurately. It's it's great to be able to have that that back and forth, that chat conversation, then put that outwardly facing to people who are very interested in this. And yes, you're right. I will not have the ability to own a skyline probably in my lifetime in New York, nor would I have the ability to own a legendary club in Los Angeles or in Nashville on the honky talks. And it's fun. It's very fun. And it, and it just has an appeal to it that I'm still trying to dial in. I think it's the funny money aspect of it. If you really saw the USD that you were spending instead of the UPEX that you were spending, it feels very, you know, it's, it's easy to click that button, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's very easy to do that. Um, I I had the privilege when, when I came to, you know, I, I, I've always squarely been in middle class uh, and at times upper class and uh, you know, I, I haven't wanted for anything. And yet when I arrived in Upland, I didn't have that much expendable income that I was coming in with. And, uh, but I did have a lot of time, you know, COVID was on and I was anyway spending a ton of my time as an introvert, you know, in Second Life and metaverses. And so I was like, good, I'm going to give some of that time over to Upland. And, um, you know, my pitch when I started working for some of these whales was, I have more time than money and you have more money than time. (laughs) And in addition to the fact that really I got to earn a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, bread for my labor, I also got to have conversations with clever people, you know, because, you know, I I always used to get a little bit queasy when I saw people knocking whales, uh, because, you know, those people, most of them are not trust fund babies. And I can assure you, you know, two that I I worked with, you know, Sotheby's and Busterworth were very much self-made men. Um, And, so if they are investing the amount of money they are here, I wanted to know why, right? Because they've got money all over the place. They've been successful all over the place. So what made them feel that this was a, a, a good asset class to put money into? And I think that that may have been uh, the most unexpected but best reward I got uh, from my services rendered uh, because it, it helped me develop a critical approach uh, to how I now view NFTs and NFT and uh, play to earn games that are coming and and metaverse platforms. I yeah, it's uh, and I I will echo what you're saying. We early on have this very the Discord group. We it's kind of like that small city that you grow up in, and you kind of know everybody. You know your local postman. You 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 know the librarian, things of that nature. That's what it really did feel like. Of course. We've got second and third wave coming in now, 200,000 plus players or more. And when you have 
when you have speculators, investors that are going in on that big $20,000 on a property, $40,000 on a single property in the game of Upland, and then the other digital assets, which is their line of NFTs, legit game balls selling for 20,000 USD for their NFLPA legits. It really does support then the player who only has $200 or 200,000 Upix in the game and have their properties. You have to have that. And Octavius, I agree with you. It's not something to knock them and say, oh, they're monopolizing. They're getting all the good stuff. Again, you are where you are, and there's a little something for everything. Another thing that I think Upland got right. Yeah, there I are so. properties for beginners and, and properties for the others. Yeah, I think I think there's there's clearly you know multiple stages of there's levels of middle class, there's levels of upper class, there's even levels of beginner class. I mean, because now we have you know we have whales and we have whales, right? I mean, you know, now that you've got a billionaire, you've got you know the guys with a hundred thousand dollars in. I mean, are still very significant. Uh, market makers and yet they've been dwarfed uh, as yeah. well and uh, it's humbling it's humbling and it's a, it's a sign of a maturing market um okay let's 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 be a little bit critical now if we can when i speak about upland to crypto investors um the response is not that positive and usually it's not to do with upland's idea because many of them are heavily invested in the sandbox and December and other things, they are concerned that Upland is what I would call the equivalent of crypto light, right? In words, for the same reason we praised it as being an easy access point for non-crypto native people is the same reason that the crypto traditional whales are a bit concerned because let's face it, Upland may all be secured on the blockchain, uh, but we don't have access to it, right? We don't have the keys to our wallets. Uh, the coin is not a um, on any exchanges, right? Uh, and so Upland, for the most part, is full-blown centralized, right? Which goes against some of the spirit of um, crypto. And I, I want to temper that, though, because Big Time and Axie Infinity also have centralized chains so you know they they will close accounts when there's bots and things like that but what makes them different is their coins are publicly traded and if you are a investor in the long term right let's say you're buying axes as your long-term investment portfolio as art because you think it's going to do well you can move that off of their centralized chain to your wallet right there are axi infinities that sell on OpenSea. Um, so I think, you know, there's, you've got your extremes, you've got completely decentralized where, you know, your uni swaps and things like that. You've got in the middle, these games where you keep the keys to your wallet. I mean, Gala games, for example, has completely given you the keys to your wallet. Even if they block your IP from playing and saying, we don't want you playing, you can then vote with your feet, take your assets and sell them, right? They cannot seize your assets. And then on the other extreme, we seem to have full-on centralization that says it's a crypto, that says it's on the blockchain, and yet you don't really have any real control over your assets. Uh, the fact that they won't go into your wallet and take it is a good sign, but um, how do you feel about this? Because you've been there for so long. What makes you comfortable with this? Let's put it that way. Uh, and it, this would go all the way back to the 
you know, to Satoshi's white paper of what Bitcoin is. It all starts for me in digging into what is otherwise the what is supposed to be a white paper is bleaching out all the marketing and getting down into the core parts of what the project is. And so that is something that I would just say overall, that if you're ever going to get into this space, you really need to know what you're getting into. And that's that which is your compass is the white paper and then the terms of services if you're playing for gamification or what is your intellectual property rights in what you're buying and what you're what you're trading fiat or crypto for so when i had started looking into this and again from crypto kitties and, and looking at their white paper their terms of services uh it started to guide me in a certain direction so when i had gotten to upland and i was looking at it the first appeal was to me yes it was mapped to the real world and there were certain things that i just wanted to see if i could get my hands on um and going in and registering and then fomoing into things and knowing full well knowing that i didn't have a path out so what it is for me and octavius i know that you know this because you're somebody second, who looks I, just, I just want to stop you there Tim, because I, I think you're elaborating on a good point the original investors in Upland, and that's why it's really good to be talking to you about this, there wasn't even a fiat beta then, right? You couldn't even sell your, your property for USD. So you were taking a much bigger, per se, leap of faith because, you know, Apex wasn't an exchange-traded coin, and there was no uh, promise yet that, you know, USD was coming anytime soon. Yeah, there was there was that and it was front facing there was promise of the future of what some of this was going to hold and again it's that risk based element i don't i don't necessarily look at i know you're talking very specifically about upland but i am diversified as you are in many different platforms on many different cryptocurrencies that are both decentralized centralized highly regulated some not so much they're 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 uh, they're located in different parts of the world for different reasons right so i first and foremost was interested in the game and knowing that the risk reward was in place for me i went into where i went in not above my means i i set the risk factor for myself and then i went in i did as much as i possibly could to learn from everybody that was around me so for me, Octavius, it was that scenario where I've invested in things before that I hadn't seen any return or it, it didn't go as well as planned and it completely collapsed and I lost everything. So I went into it with that headspace. And to your point, I think as I started- very, that, That's very healthy for people to know in general, you know, whether we, uh, whether Bitcoin has outperformed all markets over the last decade, uh, doesn't change the fact that it, it still is a highly volatile and potentially risky asset. Um, and if people bring in money that they cannot afford to lose, uh, they are going to be playing with a lot of anxiety that is otherwise going to cloud their judgment and make them aggressive and scared and um, act out. You hit it. It's, it's that anxiety that you have. And as I progressed along, as I was chasing, as you did, it's, it's so interesting because the first things we were both attracted to are those collections. And there had been a time or a period in the game where you have these statuses. You, you start a visitor, you go to Uplander, Pro, Director, on and on. And 
I had purchased most of my beginning properties at the secondary market level because I was attracted to those collections. And I could tell even then that San Francisco in some of these collections, I had to act now because I was not going to be able to get a hold of them. Crooked Lombards, painted ladies, things of this nature. Even then, it was so difficult for me. These were already creeping up to the $1,000 mark. And I just, of course, now in hindsight, I should have went in for the crooked ladies and the, the crooked, or the crooked lavars of the painted ladies. But I didn't. I held back because of the risk factor. I went in with a certain budget in mind. And as the game started to progress, it, it really was the limitation for me, Octavius, in not knowing if the project was going to survive. Maybe it was Ponzi. You have to look at it from all points of view. When the game did offer for those players that were early on that opportunity to sell the digital assets that they had within the game, within their holdings for USD, and I saw that happening and saw players accruing their fiat in there, that's when I started feeling a little bit better about it. They opened it up to 100 of the players at a time that you could apply and receive a fiat out. Um, uh, to be able to, 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 to do that with your account. I did get awarded fiat out um, and felt much better about it and progressed from there. But to your point, there is, some, there is some centralization feel to it. And yes, at this time, you can import things in, like the Series 1 cards that were on Wax Atomic Hub. You can bring those in. Right now, you can't bring them out. But they have made mention of that utility and that feature or that mechanic coming. So at some point, you just have to take the creator's word for it and watch them progress. And their actions are the loudest speaking you know, part of this volume. So again, this is a lot. If you've ever owned a business, which I'm sure, and of course, of course, Octavius, you have as an entrepreneur, if you don't sweep the floor, take out the trash and are the accountant, are the orderer, uh, are the salesman, then... It, you could have a different perspective in all of this. It's hard to know and have a behind-the-scenes look at how difficult this is in this emerging technology. Oh, of no, no, what I, I, yeah, I, I think, I, look, I try to be very understanding. I, I always take the premise that, you know, I, I, you know, when people say, oh, the founders are so stupid, how could they get this wrong? Are they so dumb? I always take the premise that we're dealing with very smart people here. I mean, Idan is clearly a brilliant coder, Dirk is a, you know, a, a, a doctorate level PhD in economics. These are not stupid people. I've had great conversations with the community managers. And, you know, I, I would like to say that, by the way, you know, as much as they uh, are centralized, the, the team is very approachable. Uh, I've had very good conversations with them. When something goes wrong on the asset mechanics, they tend to be a bit flummoxed. I get the sense that their back end uh, accounting logs are not fantastic and they have to improve on that. But I can forgive a lot. But I think, look, I arrived as a hobbyist uh, who was coming from Second Life, rolling around a bit of other money. And as I passed 10,000 net worth, 100,000 net worth, suddenly my investor had started coming on and I started becoming a bit more uh, critical from an investor perspective, not critical. They hadn't changed. I had changed. I was now in a different position that I had to respect my own net worth. And, um, and it did concern me that I can onboard crypto and I can't take it out. 
right? Um, you know, and again, this is uniquely Upland because big time, if you onboard $2,000 of fiat, you do your KYC immediately and then you can take it out again. In other words, it goes both ways. Uh, there is a lot of difficulty with KYC and keeping in compliance, but if you set it up right, it can go both ways. And I have definitely got the feeling from Dirk in the conversations he's had uh, that this is a decision they've made not to list Apex on an exchange. They want to keep in the early days, at least a lot more market control um, and you know what we would call in central banking terms price levers, right? They they feel that the that the game has not reached a critical mass where they can start to hand over those uh, free market controls back to the public, and they want to keep those with themselves. I'm not fully comfortable with that. I I, I understand where they're coming from. Um, it's been one of the reasons why I've started focusing a lot more of my wealth elsewhere. But again, I had that wealth to focus elsewhere because of Upland. So, you know, I, I, I definitely do not want to shit on the golden goose that was laying <laughs> the eggs for me. But I, I, I'm more kind of in the inquisitive side. I love talking to OGs like yourself because it's like, well, why were you comfortable along that way? And why have you remained comfortable? And I guess the question I'll ask you now is, do you, do you feel as a gut intuition uh, that Upland does intend at some point uh, to reach these best standards of putting um, Apex as a, as a exchange traded coin uh, and allowing for the NFTs to have doors in both directions? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. It's good. And, uh, and, I feel I want to be OG, but I'm actually, I'm not. I, I feel that I'm a legacy player. I'm about a year, uh, two, three months into the game. Uh, a turbo, a thank me later. Those types of players are really uh, those that are OG. And they, those players are the, you know, are the ones who it amazes me because they were in a year before me and having to have these same types of questions posed to themselves. There, there wasn't this amount of interest in people doing these interviews and having these conversations. From my perspective, in watching what other players had done and how much they had went in, and then be able to have this platform like Discord to speak with some of those players and ask those questions, I knew well going in that there wasn't a real plan to take UPX or UPEX onto an exchange. And I knew that the only future means of getting your investment out wasn't going to be through an open exchange. It was in the future, the hopes that you would be able to sell properties for USD and then you extract it that way. Now, also knowing that there is a community percentage that's paid for the buying and selling of properties and then going through Tilia, which is the gateway processor and having to pay Tilia a percentage to get out as well. Weighing in those risks, that was enough for me as a processor like Tilia and being able to get a hold of a community manager. On a lot of these exchanges, you can't even communicate with where you are holding your private keys on an exchange. You can't call them. You can't have a chat message with them. If you're lucky, you may get an email response back. So part of my confidence in this, to be very direct with you, Octavius, was the fact that I typed to a community manager and they got back with me. I had yet 
to have a direct conversation with Idan or Dirk. I only recently had, uh, after uh, uh, almost a year in the game, had Idan in a scenario where I had a conversation with him. So to, to again, just to, to repeat it and to, 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 to answer your question about the confidence in it, that was enough for me, for the means that I had going into it. Now, I'm not going to uh, be a poster boy uh, and, and somebody that, that cheers and champions where there are failures or some of these things that fall through the cracks. My biggest part of that is the support. I, I, I'm a big fan of customer support. Uh, I like praising those who sit on the front lines and do customer support. When you have this small of a group, you're spinning plates in every direction and doing the best that you can. I think that they're showing that, again, with an Animoca brand, that was the other one, Octavius. That's what solidified it for me. When Animoca put $18 million behind this, outwardly having that uh, known number in what they were doing, the NFLPA, another big chain like Spirit Legits, this is what solidified it for me. If they're going to take the money and run and burn players, that's a really bold thing to be doing. I, I think that they're in the situation now where the the horse has left the barn, the train's left the station. Look, they're going to have I, to. I, I think, you know, again, my father has never been concerned that they were going to rug us. Like that is, it truly has never been my concern. Um, they doxed enough that, you know, we can create class action suits against them. That really has never been my concern. Mm -hmm. My concern was more along um, two paths. Number one, centralization in games and exchanges. It's often led to some customer service person closing your account, freezing your assets, <sighs> and then you have to spend the PayPal decades trying to find that human to talk to and stuff like that. And so as my zeros grew... <laughs> that frustrated me. And just this very week, I mean, I was put into Alcatraz, you know, guilty until proven innocent. And I'm getting these cryptic emails. I never even got an email. I sent an email. I got a speedy response, was very polite. Uh, you know, I'm in a big enough position that I can reach out to moderators and people who know me. And I got a very cryptic answer about someone, you know, a uh, few people had gone and uh, done chargebacks and somehow I had done business with them and maybe I was to blame. And how do I defend myself against somewhat of a kangaroo court? And again, the fact that I'm not even that upset about it is because I kind of banked that these things will happen, right? This is, it's a certain expectation of having dealt in e-commerce and with art for decades and with PayPal, I expect an audit to come once every few weeks. It's just my expectation. I don't think it's right, but I think it's a much healthier way to live uh, when you have that expectation. That's number one. And then number two, I just, I guess it goes into another point. I feel Upland is gonna fall behind when crypto does start to become more and more mainstream and we're not tapping into that core market, right? In other words, you know, even VV, for example, which was also a very closed market, has now signed with Immutable X, which is going to then put all of that art on the open market again. And I just feel like, why aren't we on Atomic Hub? Why aren't we on OpenSea? Uh, you know, we, we, we are onboarding all of these mainstream people and it's amazing and Upland has not slowed down at all. And so much so that I would say that Upland has actually been recessionary proof because while crypto has been moving around, you are not seeing it in the dollar prices in Upland. And so that's, 
These are all things to be extremely excited about, but they, I, I feel that there's a middle road somewhere over here and we haven't quite achieved it yet. And again, you know, you and I have, I think have both been uh, fairly, can fairly say that we have been constructive crits, right? I think ah. we've always been like that, you know, right now, and I love to give praise where it's due. I mean, I'm so excited to see that our plan is allowing direct Apex transfers, right? That was something that I pushed for, for ages. Uh, you and I talked about, you know, things like temporary swaps that were gray zones and stuff like that. And we both expected that this is an early stage market. And as it matures, certain mechanisms will have to be revisited, right? Uh, another yeah. one was the referral bonus that I said, you know, is just too large given how mainstream we now have become and people are going to use it to asset funnel and do nefarious activities. So, you know, as we say in Hebrew, kola kavod, you know, all respect due to Upland for having, you know, matured and made these adjustments. But mm -hmm. I do feel that, that that balance has not yet been achieved. I, I don't yet know how Idan and Dirk want to balance the economy and keep controls while also giving the free market the respect it use. I guess that's where it's ultimately down to. As I've made more and more money in the space, this libertarian side of me comes in and says, well, the free market is probably still the best solution 99.9% .9 of the time. And we haven't quite reached that balance yet. Yeah, you know, I am actually, I'm so interested uh, to know because I've gotten east of it uh, and, and having you come in the cafe and discussing with the, the situation where again, your account is, is frozen. Um, I'm so interested to watch and, and, and learn as, as to how that comes to pass. We've had some very famous cases in the past, uh, Scooby being one of them, a co-founder of the Upland Cafe, in ushering in communication for Discord, was jailed uh, uh, and his account frozen while conducting uh, a, 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 uh, an vaudeville-style community entertainment a third-party group and was offering prizes in the form of properties that people would pay one to 10 Upix for. And he did. He, in fact, got put into Alcatraz. Uh, he wrote a diary. It was great. If you're writing a diary, it would be great, <laughs> Octavius, to see what behind the scenes is like from where your perspective is, because we don't see what you're seeing first person, but they had reversed that finally. I am so interested in what's happening to you. And I, I, I do hope that that all comes out in the wash. Um, we have talked at length and you are somebody that has been I'm incredibly not, innovative. I'm, I'm honestly not that worried. I, I think that um, I'm a high profile enough player uh, with enough people who are asking critical questions uh, that everyone just wants to get to the bottom of this. But, you know, again, you and I have often brought this up. I fear for the little people, right? I, I fear for the people that don't have our support structure. Uh, you know, I, you know, people like Lizette and X1 the Gamer actually know me, right? They, they've, they've taken questions from me in the past. They've come into the cafe and listened to me speak. They know that I may mess up at times, but my intentions are overall good. Whereas if a new player comes in, makes a mistake, his kid hops on his account, his wife uses his account, there's something great. There is no way for them to show that their intentions weren't bad and how do we correct this? And so I, 
again, there's a fine balance over here, right? There are bad actors. There are bad actors. And Upland even opens the door to them, right? Because by doing a fiat on-ramp, you are opening yourself to chargebacks from Google Pay and PayPal. So of course, Upland has to take a hard line in the things. But, but guilty until proven innocent is a slippery slope. And uh, I don't envy them having to try and juggle this problem. I really don't. Yeah, and I don't, you know, it's what it's interesting you say that if if there is, and again, we don't get to see under the hood, uh, we 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 don't get to see what's behind the scenes. There can be many case scenarios, and you're talking about some big money, like you said, for the bonuses here to get up to twenty five thousand on a fifty, you know, thousand or fifty percent bonus. What if there is some investigation? What if there's a, a cooperation with law enforcement? We just don't know what's behind the scenes. Of course, that does not apply to you in this scenario, Octavius, that I know of. I think that the great part about it is that you're having communication with the team. Uh, be that you initiating it or they initiating it, at least they're talking to you and didn't grab all your assets and kick you out of the game and you can't log in. Um, I, You know what? There's everybody, um, there's so many ways to skin a cat, right? There's so many different ways to do something. I do not have the knowledge of how the platform works from behind the scenes. I am a simple moderator. I answer questions. <laughs> I, think I, any, I think there's anything, nothing simple about you, Uplando, but I, <laughs> I do get that you're on the front side of things as opposed to behind the hood. I am. Um, although, you know, if Upland's ever hiring and if you want the job, I mean, I don't even know if you want the job, but I, I would love to see more of our... Uh, community legacy and OG players actually starting to work for Upland because, you know, this is just to digress a little bit in the early days of Second Life, uh, you would have what, what were called, you know, Second Life was, uh, would have players called the Lindens, right? Which were the, yes, the start team. And a lot of those Lindens were active players. And it really gave them a firsthand experience of the cycles, anxiety, the stress, the euphoria, what was actually important. And, you know, when General Mort and X1 The Gamer once were saying during an auction, they were surprised at certain properties going for a high value and some not. And if you don't, as moderators, get to be on both sides of the fence, either players start to work for the company and bring insight, or you allow moderators, you know, to go in with a portfolio and play a bit, uh, you often will be surprised how, oh, wow, I've had a different view and you had a different view. And I don't think they yet understand um, how embarrassing it is to get put in Alcatraz. I mean, I, oh. I, guess, I guess that, you know, there have been so many high profile people recently put in Alcatraz that it's almost a bit of a joke. But in the beginning, when Scooby was put in Alcatraz, it, it was a mortifying experience. I mean, it, it really uh, shocked the community. It, you made you made my heart skip a little bit there because I instantly put myself into your shoes, and a lot of people can't do that. Um, and I feel for you, man. That you're right. It is it is a very shocking. And uh, again, I I wish there was a different system. Um, I I I do hope that what you are going through uh, comes out and. Uh, the chips fall where they may, and you get to tell the full story. People get to tell the full story. I agree with you there. And one of the things I did want to make mention of, I really enjoy the position that I'm in. I feel extremely lucky. I have worked hard for this. It wasn't something that was overnight. And I, I really was playing the role of moderator before becoming a moderator and even questioned whether I wanted to do it or not. 
having the opportunity to apply for a beta business. I was there at that time. You find Upland when you find Upland. I did the work. I submitted what was otherwise a seven-point business plan that otherwise the team found some type of value in what I had to say in the way that I wanted to conduct business, which was a stream of revenue in Upland. And I got approved. I am one of 10. I'm very lucky, Octavius. I take it very seriously, as you can tell <laughs> from the Uplando shop and what I, I do. It. I love it. Um, I, I, I'm focused on customer service and trying to provide that. So I do have a bit of an insight in all of my efforts. And honestly, it really, I should say directly, it has affected my gameplay because I don't get to do as much studying of the property and the areas that are opening. But I know that that's trade-off for the, the, the very you know, select position that I'm in. I am trying to really balance my life, Octavius. And part of that is having that exhilaration of being in the position that I am in and people knowing the name of Lando, but also being accessible and trying to do the best that I can with what the team has given me. I understand what the parameters are and I am under an acceptable um, parameter of, of risk. I know what the risks are. I, I want to help so much and I do hope things change for the better. So I, I can see it from both sides of the yin and the yang. And I, 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 I feel for you and I truly hope that it, I truly hope that it gets resolved and um, that you yeah. carry on in what you want to do. Yeah, with sure. yeah. I, I, I really only brought it up because again, it goes into, you know, where we're we talking, as I say, critically on what they're getting right, what they're getting wrong, mm -hmm. potentially. And I just felt again, people should do with this as they want. But, it, you know, these are important points for consideration, right? When we say the term, do your own research, these are the different risk mechanics and mechanisms and things that you need to weigh up to find your sweet spot of comfort zone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've mentioned Uplando Cafe, Upland Cafe, I'll call it Uplando Cafe. <laughs> it's, it's unique. It, it really is unique. Um, you know, I'm in some enormous discords. And uh, I, I've never seen something with the consistency and kindness and um, high quality conversation that does go in the Upland Cafe. Um, and, you know, you have these OGs, these legacy players, these new players, and they all have a voice and all feel uh, heard and able to speak. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's the truest form of win-win and you've built a brand around yourself by creating real value uh to the community and so that's very important and and thank you for that i've i've been a beneficiary of that many many times i appreciate it it the consistency of what it is that, that i for whatever reason there's something in my human being yes call it that uh, you know uh that point of view that uh, mumbo jumbo whatever people think but it really is good. It feels good to help people. It is good to level the playing field too, so that that player that is first in has access to the things that other players might have or the tips and tricks, the little secrets. If those are things that are outward facing and you can go to a third party service and get a, uh, a listing bot that will tell you what the lowest property price is the moment that it goes on sale and having people understand and know that uh, those types of things I like to demystify. It's, it's for my, I call it the beginner's mind. You've always got to remember the beginner's mind. You can't just adopt these acronyms and the OG standpoint of view. Like if you don't know, you just don't know and you're not in the club. No, we, re, we, we continually talk about the things that are the, the, the simplest, most, um, you know, 
the core parts of the mechanics in the game and how to do things. What does ascend mean? What does it mean to mint a property? And we do that in a code of conduct manner. We, we outwardly present ourselves the way that we want others to present themselves. And it, that's a conduct becoming. And, and Octavius, I appreciate that. That That's creates the culture. And then these people become brand ambassadors and uncles and big brothers and, yeah. and big sisters for the next one coming in. I mean, That's I right. nearly turned around in the first 48 hours. Uh, I'm like, what is this, man? And, and what am I supposed <laughs> to be doing over here? And I'd listened to some YouTube videos and I'm like, okay, but how do I make money over here? Uh, I met Cafe Mogadar. I met Apkai. I met a few others. And, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to give this another two days and see how this goes. I mean, if I had not found the Discord, there's no way I would have I would have stuck around. Um, okay, I just want to touch on two other upland points with you. Sure. Um, another thing that has always made me nervous. It's kind of a quiet but out loud that that you know, as new and more and more cities kept coming, I'm like, well, why does upland never tell us what the supply amount is, right? I mean, you know, again, you and I have now been in NFTs a while. We like to know the supply. Right. Even in, you know, and it's not like Upland is the only one that doesn't have a fixed supply. I mean, for example, I'm invested in a game called Echoes of Empire. And I sat down with the founders and I kept pushing and poking and poking because I'm like, no, I, I don't understand. So there's three core areas now, but there could be more. And, and eventually we got to the conclusion, yes, but it would really require uh, the player base to pass, let's say, whatever, a million or whatever else. And then we would work out a way maybe to kind of drop, you know, do an airdrop to the original players so that they are the recipients and they can sell it off. A Guild of Guardians talked about something as well that we may need more guilds, but we can drop them to the OG guild holders um, to keep it fair to not devalue their assets. One of the major concerns that people have talked about regularly, especially the legacy players and the OG players is, my San Francisco and Manhattan was a lot more important when there was only San Francisco and Manhattan and maybe Chicago. Now we've, you know, uh, beds and heads, as they say, we've got so many beds and heads. Uh, where, do, where are we gonna find the people to, to, to need all of this property? And how do you feel about supply metrics in Upland? Uh, it's a great question. And it's, it's surprising as these cities open and how, quickly that players are coming into upland i from my perspective in getting into the game when there were three cities and starting in fresno and rushing rushing to grab san francisco up then watching as new york was opening up in these bubbles having the opportunity having the the great pleasure to run around with satoshi's view at uh, midnight through 3 a.m in the morning and look at all of these properties that I had my choice of, uh, we would go and look at something, look at the street view. We would talk about it for 10 to 15 minutes and, and, then, and then be also deciding with one another, hmm, I better grab that before he does. Am I going to get these Bowery's? Am I going to go over and get these Harlem's that we were looking at? That's not the case anymore. And it hasn't been for a while. We saw the Bronx go in under an hour for non-FSA all of those properties, you didn't even get chance to take a breath to look at what you're minting. You're clicking and purchasing. It's concerning in a couple of ways. The speed at which maybe the misunderstanding that uh, 
it is the uh, there's the infamous flower stories when they were doing the tulips, I think is what it was for uh, Europe and and how that market, you know, exploded. And then all of a sudden it's devalued down to it or aluminum being worn on the heads of kings. And now it's to put wrap your food in, you know, that everybody has access to. Where does this go, Octavius? And where does this have that future proof that this that these properties that we're buying is going to have value? It has to belong in the gamification of it, and it has to evolve. Property is the core bedrock of what this game was founded on, and now you have structures and meta motors and things of that nature. I can only imagine where my imagination would go, where I take it. It is a concern. Uh, tomorrow, uh, uh, 100,000 people could decide to move out of Upland and sell everything and uh, completely leave it all behind. I hope there's enough polarization to the gameplay and the community that that doesn't happen. I don't have a good answer for you. I I think that the okay. supply we we don't have to have answers for everything. This yeah. is more a matter of you know addressing addressing things that we hope the developers are considering. Again, the assumption is that they are smart people. Uh, Dirk is an economist, and uh, you know we're just putting this out there and saying you know I've I've always said I I kept saying where is the the, the tokenomics right. We've been given, you know, the, the roadmap on businesses and stuff coming out. Where's the roadmap on Upland's um, economic longevity? Uh, and I still feel, again, a bit concerned about that. Again, I haven't, you know, a lot of people thought I've left Upland. Uh, I've chosen to focus in other areas uh, because I literally cannot do everything. This podcast right. is another passion of mine. And, uh, but I... I'm always going to be following my alma mater in a way and hoping for it to do well. Um, but yes, I, I do get a sense of, you know, the expectation is that Upland will become this robust economy. Uh, and that gets me onto the next point, really. Um, do you think Upland is keeping pace uh, with what's going on? I mean, I, 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 you know, when Upland started, we were literally coming out of crypto kitties, right? Now we've got Blockbuster games arriving. We've got Sandbox arriving. We've got the founder of Decentraland creating a game called Big Time. We have so many large things happening. Is Upland struggling from being too slow? I mean, they're asking Axie Infinity the question right now as well. So this is not specifically an Upland question. But do you think, you know, Upland has a strong first mover advantage? Do you think it can hold on to that? Yeah, I... I do. Um, I, it brings me back to a city planning official that when I was in Lawrence, Kansas, University of Kansas is, is, is there. Um, and Lawrence is a college town. And when you, when you see the growth of a college town and how, you know, thousands upon thousands of, of uh, college students move in and the, you know, all of a sudden it's a big win for everybody, all these local shops and you get all this money coming in. The comic book store thrived on College students, that, that's what kept my store uh, along with the locals, but that's really what propped up the store and made the profit for the store. In this scenario, yes, early, uh, early in, that them being one of the first in and having that metaverse and that brand name and doing what they've done is, is helping it along the way. Um, where will they go with the competition? You know, one thing is interesting is that you only get the, the, you get the first impression to do something. If you're augmented reality, if you're virtual reality, like the central and things of that nature, the, the novelty of some of that tends to wear off. And then they're like, okay, where's the functionality? Where's the gamification? Where's the community? Where is this all in? 
and some people leave it behind and don't come back. It's, I think the evolution of this is we're looking at a legacy platform now. I feel like the current platform that you play on a mobile, uh, you know, mobile version of this, which is very cool, uh, and that you also have it on a web-based version, that is legacy. And you're going to see that that's going to stay in place and that there's going to be another evolvement of a platform. Which they that just to me in LA, right? I mean, they just pretty much hinted in their LA advert that there's going to be a ground layer, right? Like a. Yeah. Yeah. You have that layer. You could have a layer that, again, speculation. Let's say that you have boats, planes, helicopters, whatever that may be, and you're introducing games in that. Unity is a very well adopted and well known platform to do that on. Um, what if you go into the boat race or the helicopter or the plane or whatever that it is? And you are then in another platform to do all of the things that you want to do in there. And then you come back and all your assets are associated there and you get all your rankings and everything. I think that's where the involvement it is, is. It isn't having to build on top of this legacy platform. I think it's really where you now can start from scratch on another platform and leverage an Animoca brands to already have that. And it, then it seems... Like, whoa, I'm underwater for the first time scuba diving and I'm looking at all these things around me. I think the magic will be there because they haven't leveraged it all right out of the gate. That right. to me, and then you'll right. find like a, the It's like charm. a Google map where you've got the map yeah. and then you click on it and go into a whole different, what we call a room, right? Let's call you got it experiences as a room. Yep. And those rooms can have their own kind of portals uh, doing so many other things. Yeah, the charm of it, Octavius, think about that. Alpha cards from Magic the Gathering, yeah. beta, unlimited, revised, you know, 6th edition, 7th edition, 8th edition, on and on and on. They've evolved to the point. There is a charm and an appeal to those early Magic the Gathering to bring the whole conversation back the whole way around. Yeah. There is charm to Upland in what it is, and some people say the uh, the relative unsophistication of it, but it's got cool factor and it's got cool charm. Look, I I I I I love how much of a of a player and diversified individual that you are. Some people will never be able to to risk and go out into that different in those different games and adopt to those different platforms. I think it's really cool what you've done. And um, I wish I was I was more of, along the lines cut from that cloth um, because it seems like you have an innate understanding of this or a finger on the pulse of some of these things. So that's very impressive and interesting to me. And I do hope that Upland continues, which I really feel that it will survive. And they're bringing on more support. They're, they're, this is their year. Let's yeah, do that. Let's have this exactly. conversation Six yeah, months from this. now. We actually yeah. said this. We said if Upland pulls yeah. off their, their, their first stores, their metaverse uh, ventures by the end of the year, then we will bless them for another year. And, you know, it's like the, the Pope did his, his, <laughs> his, his final thing. Okay, Upland, you bought us another year. Do your thing. And, and you know, to, 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 I, I do want to ask you one other question before this, but to end on a positive Upland note, I have been... Um, I wouldn't say jaded, but I'm a little bit more pro games than I am metaverse platforms, only because, as I say, I spent a decade in Second Life. And when I had to explain to people what Second Life was, most of them gave me a blank, what's the point, right? And what, what I think 
crypto metaverse platforms have over over things like Second Life is if you add the components from Minecraft and Roblox, which is having many games from the get-go, where people have those in addition to the social experience, it's like saying, well, let's go to a movie or let's go have lunch, right? We, we, we are social people that need an activity with other people. And so if those activities exist from the beginning, which is what Animoca wants to bring with Atari games and leveraging all these things that they have in their ecosystem, then you immediately have a, a direct answer. Well, uh, come, it's cool, it's novel, and we can go into the arcade together and we can <laughs> go and you know, view a, a virtual museum. And then the second thing is, which I'm seeing now uh, happening a lot with Sandbox, is because we now have all of these uh, re-excited re re people in collectibles, you have all of these board apes uh, and different communities saying, we need a clubhouse. You know, and when you have a thousand of these with 10,000 people each, that's a lot of uh, permanent residents. Uh, and, you know, and, and something I can say from Second Life is a lot of people would hold a massive estate just to use it once a week, right? Um, you know, Decentraland somewhat feels like a ghost time at towns, a ghost town at times, and yet people are coming there to have a club, have an event, have a launch party. Um, and so that cannot be understated. And I think that that, that is going to be the secret value um, that metaverse platforms uh, can perform very well with. Yeah, I, and you know this as well as I do in that Discord channel, you're talking about 45,000 strong, upwards to 6,000 active users on the platform at any one time. All of the secondary groups that are in Upland that are, crafting it's uh, and i've said this and i because i've heard it before you you have to be an amateur before you can be a professional you've got to do the practice of what you you you've got to aspire and you've got to do what you want to become a pro at and those things are all in the process right now there are many many groups that are very much so eager to become into have a stream of revenue and become a meta ventures business owner inside of upland they are doing that and players are going to get that opportunity to do that um, I, and, and, and that has also yeah. been positive, by the way. Originally, the Meta Ventures was going to be a very expensive licensing program. Mm -hmm. Now it's much more based on performance. If you're going to put in the time and the effort and create a good business and do trial and error, uh, you can, you too can be an entrepreneur in the metaverse. And I, hats off to Upland, because again, we said to them from the start, this is going to be a little bit snobby. Your intention is good, right? Because you wanted to know that you've got serious partners, but you have to find another metric to find a serious partner other than dollars and cents, right? Because by, by asking for a $5,000 commitment, you're finding a real partner and yet you're taking away the people that say, you know, hello, sir, I've got no money, but I, I love what you're doing over here. I want to run a little cafe. It's been my dream, right? I came in wanting to start the Griffin Cafe. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, hats off to Upland for that, for uh, being brave enough to, to recant and change along the way. And, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's lowering the barrier of entry for those players that want to have and aspire to do something that is a business in this, in the, in the, you know, in the metaverse. And um, again, I feel exceptionally lucky that I have been able to do that and working very hard with the division lead with in Upland that is running and uh, crafting the MetaVentures path. 
I, I, I have high hopes and, and Octavia said, I, it's not that I am blind. I don't have blinders on to the things that would otherwise be concerns and worries. But again, I have to determine where my level of risk is. And I am putting time. You're putting that, which is the most valuable in the human life. It is time in this. The payoff for me has been the relationships. This conversation, I would have never probably have ever met you, Octavius. Um, and it's a pleasure to be able to have these conversations and to meet people from around the world. It's, it's enriched my life. And, and that, to some degree, is worth it. I really do hope that all of the things that Upland has for us and all, not just poking at, at Upland, this space has got to survive and it has to do things right in order not to watch an entire exodus from it. So there have to be some real good promises put into place and they have to be, they have to be brought to fruition. So. so the final thing I wanted to ask you is actually uh, on that point, uh, so many of the original Upland players uh, have gone on to do amazing things. Uh, they've, you know, we, we really do have a roster. I can't say their names, but I know at least two, uh, who have probably passed nearly the million dollar mark from their original investments, they've moved into other things. And um, I wanted to know what other NFT or metaverse projects are you excited about? Maybe you don't have time to invest in them, but what else have you been looking at that interests you? Um, and I mentioned this before, it's Archaeus and the Keystone NFT series that they're doing with that. They're starting off with a, an animal that is, it, I, it's the elephant and their progression of what they're going to do with the platform. Um, it, and it has to do again with that um, certification of information, right? Getting the actual curated real information out there to people, finding out what matters to them, truth uh, and values. I, I just, I'm a big animal advocate. So I will also say your project. I like what you're doing with the cats. That's very cool. I saw that. Um, it looks like you took some time on that well-crafted artwork. Congratulations. I, I, I really dig that. I would love to have more time to dig deep oh, into gonna, that. Well, you know, look, you know, beggars, big, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. So just That's by mentioning that, we'll give you a whitelist spot with pleasure. Oh, see, look at that. Look at that. Big art, thank you. I, I'm really interested in that. Um, I'm interested in seeing how the progression of some of these games, the gamification that really have longevity, well thought out. Um, I wanna get behind uh, some type of project again. If it doesn't, if you don't have something that is civic-minded, if you're if you're not paying it forward, giving it back, also something that's charitable that that has that in mind, that has the player in mind, that's not just a cash grab. Um, those are the things that I'm most interested in. And otherwise, pointing out some of these other projects, I like supporting that artist that never got the chance to be in a gallery, and I love to see them express themselves. And, and have a following, and then you never know. They get picked up, like you said, a board ape member gets picked up and is now the sponsor or the spokesperson for something. It's giving that little guy that shot and um, just that positive reinforcement. I like a positive message, even though um, I like control chaos, but I, I still, it's, it's the positive message, Octavius.
and yeah. uh, that, that yeah. helps. That, you know, well, look, helps. look we, we could probably talk for another three hours. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, this has already gone on for over now. So thank you so much. And again, to all the viewers, thank you for joining us. And if this is the kind of content you like, please like and subscribe. We'll be uploading these regularly. Thank you so much, Uplander, for joining me. Uh, this has been an honor and a privilege. And you've been there throughout my whole journey um, so you're almost my historical guide in a way. And again, thank you so much for what you do for the community and for joining me today on the show. It means a lot to me. Thank you for having me. And uh, I, I am, I'm very much so looking forward to the progression and everything that you have going on and to the viewers out there, to their progression as well. Thank you.